I'm Denzel Mohammed, and this is Jobmakers. Let's face it, the world is unequal. Not everyone everywhere is given the same chances, opportunities, and avenues to fulfill their potential, to succeed. This goes for continents, countries, and even within our own borders. There are often things that stand in the way for some people. For Gaten Kashala, immigrant from the Democratic Republic of Congo, co-founder of Globex Corporate, a consulting firm connecting the US to Central and Western Africa, and also the engagement director for AIM, the Associated Industries of Massachusetts, he knows this all too well, both in the Congo and in the US. For a host of reasons, many of us are oblivious to the barriers that exist for some groups of people. Gayton has built a career helping immigrant and other minority small business owners in the Commonwealth by giving them that opportunity for a crack at the American dream. And he's seen the results. Thriving businesses, growing families, and community development. He shares their stories, and his own, of a legacy built by his father in Cambridge in this week's Jobmakers. Gaten Kashala of the Associated Industries of Massachusetts. Welcome to Jobmakers. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Um, I've escaped the cold for a little bit, so I'm thankful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about your business. It's a very interesting business, and I know it's one of the things that you do, but you started this with your father, and you, you connect the U.S. to Central and Western Africa, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the company, it's called Global Enterprise Services Corporation, and it's a, it's a consultant firm um, that when we started out, initially focused on uh, government relations, right? Um, we would partner with uh, American government affairs firm and then travel to uh, different countries in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, mainly Central and Western Africa, in order to speak with governments, policymakers there, about um, us serving as their representative uh, in the United States, uh, whether this is before the executive branch, legislative branch, uh, multilaterals like the IMF, World Bank, and, and EU. Uh, so, you know, step one in our uh, just kind of growth strategy was really developing deep relationships with African political uh, leaders. And then, you know, once those relationships were in place, um, given that we were uh, based out of the United States, uh, you know, we would uh, reach out to the you know, members of the business community here uh, in order to see if they were interested, to, to see if they were interested in exploring, you know, commercial uh, philanthropic opportunities that existed on the African continent. So really symbiotic relationship in that uh, or process in that, you know, you, you, um, you know, develop a level of trust uh, with the governments and then um, leverage that to, you know, see what type of uh, business, business development needs, uh, you know, strategic communication needs that um, entities in the United States, Europe, and uh, China um, had. So, 
So as a way of building up uh, entities and initiatives in parts of Africa through partnerships in the U.S. That's that's incredible. Uh, in the U.S. and you say as well, as well Asia and the EU. Um, yeah. And you are very familiar with Western uh, Central Africa because you're from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, tell us a little bit about what life was like, if you can recall sure. uh, growing up there. Sure, sure. So, so I, I was born in Kinshasa, uh, in the de- uh, capital of the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, about you know 13, 000, 13 million, 14 million um, residents live there. So I, I spent the first seven years of my life uh, there before moving to the United States. Uh, my father was pursuing a, a PhD um, uh, from Harvard University. So uh, you know th- that's that's what brought us there. Uh, that's what brought us to the United States. Uh, but uh, in terms of memories and recollections uh, from from my time there, I just you know remember the, the vibrancy and the energy of being in the capital um, and just you know a, it's situation where. You would see people hustling all the time, you know, whether that's where the street vendors, it it just there was this entrepreneurial capacity there that in in many ways was um, a means for folks to put food on their table uh, and you know bring uh, money and resources to their families. Uh, I, I don't know how f- familiar you are with with uh, the just kind of the socioeconomic uh, composition of, uh, of uh, Congo uh, or uh, Kinshasa in general, but, it, but it, it's a fairly uh, impoverished community. Um, I would say, you know, uh, over 70, 80 percent of the people are living, you know, below the poverty line uh, from an international perspective. So, so there's there's a real kind of gap between the haves and, and the have-nots, and just it was always, even as I think back on it, uh, you know, it was always really just kind of uh, invigorating to see the vibrancy and and the hustle that that a lot of the people there had, because in, in many ways they were they were hustling to to stay alive, to keep their family alive. Your father came in to do his PhD. You yourself studied at Tufts. Uh, one of the things the American public really doesn't know is that the uh, smartest um, immigrant group is actually African immigrants to the U.S. They have the highest educational attainment as a group. Um, much of your work now is focused on this idea of engagement, connection, economic prosperity, equity. Um, and you're the engagement director at the uh, AIM, the Associated Industries of Massachusetts. And I find it interesting that they say in their mission, we further assert that such economic opportunity must reflect the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Everyone must have a voice on the economic future of Massachusetts. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm really um, glad you asked that question. So uh, I currently serve as a co-chair on AIM's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Staff Council. AIM had recognized that, you know, it wanted its membership to reflect the kind of the, the diversity that exists in the in Massachusetts. Um, so and, and it wanted to serve as a as a convener of, you know, discussions between the business group as well, uh, the business uh, community, as well as, you know, um, historically marginalized population. But, you know, ultimately, what we're looking to do 
from a DEI perspective is just just to to really make sure that our membership you know looks like what what we see um, out in Massachusetts, and then we're we're playing a role to support that effort, whether that's through uh, DEI training programs that we offer to members, whether that's through highlighting the accomplishments of you know black brown uh, women led businesses. Um, you know we we understand that. You know, this is a continual learning process and, you know, we want to be just kind of that convener of productive conversations. Tell me a little bit about some of the immigrant-owned businesses that that you've interacted with. And, you know, there's there's the Southeast Asian Business Coalition and various mm-hmm. other uh, associations like that. Do, what, what makes them, do they stand out at all to you? Or does anything, you know, you talked about the hustle mm-hmm. in, in Kinshasa. Um, do you see that sometimes in some of these business owners? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and it's really it, it's it's really amazing um, because, uh, you know, whether it's the groups that I've interacted with or uh, I currently I live in in uh, Dorchester uh, right now in the Seven Hills area. And, and you see, you know, businesses, whether it's Vietnamese businesses, Asian businesses that have been, you know, I've heard of countless situations where, you know, the one person comes to the United States, emigrates here you know, starts up, uh, starts up a business, begins sending money back home in order to bring more family members here. The family members come here and then they, um, uh, they, you know, come in and work for the business, support the business. And, you know, importantly, add tremendous value to the communities in which they've emigrated to, uh, you know, so, so, so that's, that's one thing. Um, these are not, and not to overly generalize, but, you know, in my experience, these are not people that are out here looking for handouts. They are, um, they came here, um, with a belief in the American dream, uh, a belief in the American meritocratic society, which is also, you know, something I, I should have brought up earlier relative to Congo, because, uh, in many ways, uh, you know, you have your haves and you have your haves nots, right? Sometimes the haves is, uh, uh, you know, you are a have because of where you were born or what tribe you're in. And if that tribe is in power, then you're getting jobs. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of the motivation for coming to the United States, or a lot of the attraction is just that belief that in America you can accomplish anything. You know, you put you put some hard work into it, but but there there's opportunity uh, here, and and that, that's I, I see on a daily basis. You know, every time I walk to get my coffee, you know, my Vietnamese coffee, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's really uh, uplifting to see. That's incredible, and you know, Americans don't realize how much of the world is it like what you just talked about, separated by class and tribe and lineage and their last names, the color of their skin, mm-hmm. um, where these are these are real, real barriers that have been around for generations and generations. Um, and I like that you 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 know you've met these business owners, you've talked to them over the years. Um, you've pushed for economic um, equity in in Dorchester in your previous roles, mm-hmm. um, going down at the community level and talking and meeting these people, seeing the shared diversity that we have in Massachusetts, for instance. You know, it's not it's not a situation where there's one big dominant immigrant group. It's it's fairly evenly split. You know, Haitians, Brazilians, Chinese, Indians. Uh, how have you seen immigrant entrepreneurship impact the Massachusetts economy? And some of the local economies that you've been involved with. 
Yeah, I've seen it in a number of ways, right? So um, when I worked you, you at... Mentioned, uh, you mentioned that you, you live in Savin Hill, and I, I think of Fields Corner. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I, absolutely, absolutely. You, you, you think of Fields Corner, uh, you know, Upham's, uh, you know, Upham's Corner. So um, when I worked at Dorchester Bay Economic Development Corporation, I, I was um, responsible for building up the economic mobility program. Uh, and an interesting thing about Dorchester Bay is it's a it's a, um, a, a, C, a CDFI a, a, a certified good financial institution, uh, right? So uh, they essentially had a bank, uh, a mission driven bank um, that was focusing on lending money and. Uh, disenfranchised communities, right? So we would um, get funds from either the Small Business Administration or the Treasury Department. And our charge was to uh, it was to provide capital to those that um, historically had a difficult time accessing just kind of those traditional sources of capital. Uh, so, you know, we supported a whole number of entrepreneurs. Many of them uh, um, were immigrants, right? So I had the opportunity to uh, meet with these folks, um, hear about, you know, the, the, the what businesses they wanted to put in place and then work with them, you know, whether it's through by providing technical assistance. Okay. This is how to put together a business plan, marketing plan, website. These are, you know, the type of, you know, basic financial statements that you're going to need. Um, so, so that, so that it was in that experience that, that I had, you know, um, just kind of that firsthand look into, you know, the, the kind of the immigrant entrepreneur story. Uh, right. Um, I, I recall working with um, a uh, lady uh, from where was she from? I believe she was from Kenya, I believe. <clears throat> but, you know, she had been working. She had come here from Kenya, had been working in the healthcare space for, for a while. You know, uh, started off as a CNA and then went into administration. Uh, so she was director uh, of a uh, nursing home uh, and decided that, OK, now, is, you know, given her experience, given uh, which led her to really see the need for like healthcare staffing, she wanted to start a, a home healthcare staffing um, operation. Uh, so, you know, it was working with her hand in hand, wrote her business plan, put together the website. And, you know, uh, now she's in the process of trying to solicit some funding that she'll need to be able to um, uh, that she'll be able to uh, uh, really kick off her operation. And importantly, especially in, in whether in nursing, home care, you know, the vast majority of the caregivers are, are immigrants. You know, our, our immigrants and, and that that represents that's going to at least in the for the story I was talking about specifically, that represents about 90 to 95 percent of, uh, of our workforce. Oh. That's incredible. 90 to 95 percent. Yeah. I mean, we've we, we've seen it. We've, we've, we've seen who are the ones taking care of the sick, the elderly uh, generally, but even through this pandemic, it's your Jamaican nurse or your Filipino nurse. I mean, this is just a, a, they're a huge part of our healthcare system and many other industries. I want to push back on two things briefly. Uh, one is, you know, people are going to listen to this podcast. Hey, you talk about, you know, it was basically a bank that was giving out money to these disenfranchised communities. And they're going to call that a handout. Was that a handout? 
No, no, I, I, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because for, uh, well, one just kind of plain definitional reason, they, they would, uh, uh, the funds would be transferred in the form of a loan, but very, but low interest loan relative to what you would see um, out there in, in the normal market. Uh, right. So, um, you know, the, there is nothing being handed out, uh, at least through through our, our, our loan process. Uh, another thing I would just, you know, have folks be mindful of some of the challenges. And, and, and I would say a lot of these structural challenges um, that exist that prevented, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, these groups from being able to access uh, capital. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call this a handout in any way that you would say, OK, my parent paying for my college education was it was a handout. Uh, you know, um, this is really about providing opportunity. Um, this is about providing opportunity in my in my job, my work there um, was all built around. How do you how do you um, position folks to be able to achieve economic mobility? And, and our thesis was that you focus on uh, providing them with, you know, human capital. You know, who are the individuals that they're around that they can leverage and network to be able to just kind of advance um, the social capital? What are the what are the what's the infrastructure and the institutions that are around there, whether it's from a school perspective, different trainings um, and things like that? And then finally, it's the financial capital, you know, with uh, the finance, you know, money obviously is the oxygen that allows us to do a, a lot of different things. So, um, you know, we 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 i kind of look at it from from those from that framework where you know in order to position folks for economic mobility you've got to focus on that human social and and financial capital find ways to introduce that uh expand that to to uh, different businesses individuals uh, and what have you so you are seeing that there are systemic barriers in the us even even here where we think that there's just this level playing field. Um, another thing I want to I want to challenge you on is, you know, you, in terms of your business, your consulting business, the the model is about connection. It's about you know bridging the divides between continents and countries. Um, but we're in an era, I would say, that where uh, people want to close in. They want to mm-hmm. close the borders. They want to look inward. It's about America first. Um, how have you seen this this notion of bridges and connections um, with all these different parts of the world in the U.S. Like, yeah. Has that been a good thing in your estimate? Yeah, I mean, so in one in one way, I I, I understand what you are saying, but I, I think we got we have to be careful about you know the connection we made between the political rhetoric that we hear and see. And you know what's going on, you know, business to business, um, business wise. I, you know, I take for example, like climate change. Right? You would hear, uh, you know, you hear a lot of uh, or heard a lot of talk about the, the Glasgow conference, uh, but then there is, oh, these governments aren't making commitments. The politicians aren't making, you know, the, the realistic commitments. But then if you look at the business to business level, you see that there, there's tremendous tremendous um, work being done. Fundamentally, if you're able to demonstrate value to someone, whether that's an individual or an organization, 
you're able to, to provide them with something that they need that they cannot get elsewhere or can't get elsewhere at a, uh, you know, the, that, at the price that makes sense. Um, I, I think that's, that's ultimately what this is all about, right? It's about, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the demand that's out there. You're seeing there's a need out there, whether that's for a construction worker, whether that's for, you know, coffee and, and, and you're filling that need. So, looking at things from an an immigrant entrepreneur perspective, it's just about really, you know, uh, going out there hustling, trying to identify those opportunities and be able to effectively articulate, communicate, you know, what value you bring relative to the other options that are on the table or in the market. I love the way you talk about markets, the economy, business to business, and how business moves these these policy changes even, you know, yeah. and for the for the betterment of all of us, for the betterment of the population. Um, I want to bring it back to you and your family. And, you know, you moved here when you were really young, but uh, you do remember the, the impoverished parts of Kinshasa. You do remember what it was like. How do you feel about the U.S. as your adopted homeland? I really feel grateful to be here especially knowing, you know, what the situation exists in Congo, um, you know, from a poverty perspective, from an infrastructure perspective, whether you're talking bridges, clean water, you know, electricity. Um, I, I, I think by coming to the U.S., it really it was almost like a, a, a clean slate, you know, uh, or a canvas that you can draw your story on. Um, and it was a cleaner canvas than probably existed uh, in, in Congo. So there's a lot more opportunity, a lot of different things that, that could be drawn on, on that canvas. And that's, that's really, um, you know, something that, that, uh, that, you know, it should be appreciated. And I think that you're drawing something that's really exceptional, something that is that capitalizes on the diversity that that we all experience. Um, and I'm glad that your father made that move. Yeah. Thank no. you very much for being. Thank you very much for for you and your family being here and for advancing the things that you're advancing through your work, through your business, through AIM. Uh, Gaten Kashala, thank you so much for joining us in JobMakers. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Thank you very much for having me. JobMakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Got comments, questions, or know someone we should talk to? Email Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. Thank you for joining us for another inspiring conversation. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers. 